Hello, it is 6 a.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 6 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. So I was on a social distancing walk with one of my good girlfriends in Switzerland, And she told me that she read that the divorce rate spiked in China as soon as they started loosening the lockdown. I heard her say it. I've heard so many other people say it around me, but I didn't know if it was really true or if it was just like one of those things that you hear, like, I don't know that kids used to have to have their candy checked because there were people who put razor blades in their apples at at, uh, Halloween time. So I thought I better check it out myself before I repeated the same uh, story to someone else. And I went online and I took a look. And the very first article I opened was from a pretty credible source, Bloomberg Businessweek. And the title is, China's Divorce Spike is a Warning, to rest of lockdown world. The article went on to share how as soon as the lockdown loosened, that offices were filled with couples standing in line, making the employees so busy they didn't even have time to drink water. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on love on lockdown. If you are listening to this now, it's during the COVID-19 crisis. And things can be hard if you are locked down with those that should be closest to you and you're finding strain in your relationship. It might be even harder if your love is literally locked down in a sense that you're stuck in one continent and they're stuck on the other indefinitely. So this is a two-part series, Love on Lockdown with Expat Happy Hour. Part one, we will focus on being separated temporarily due to the lockdown, but indefinitely. And part two, we'll look at being locked down together and the impact on your relationship. So stick around because I can't think of anything more important than how this lockdown is affecting relationships. By the way, if you're listening to this later and it's not the COVID crisis anymore, stick around if you are in a long distance relationship because this information is going to be highly relevant. And P.S., before I begin with part one, if you have applied for Expat Coach Coalition, we are in the final week of closing up applications. And if you haven't heard back from me, check your spam because I responded to each and every person individually. And if you have met with me and you're still sitting on your decision, get back to me because I would love to get the Expat Coach Coalition rolling for May 13th, our first call. Okay. Love on lockdown. Many people have been separated temporarily and indefinitely. Not only are you looking for new strategies to take care of yourself, get your groceries in the house, not go crazy, and maybe even homeschool your kids, but you're going to need to figure out how to do relationship from a distance. And this is why I invited back our guest expert, Christine Gerber-Root from episode 161, 
because she's got such a wealth of experience. We already had part two in the works and we knew now was the right time. Christine Geberroot is someone who's experienced long distance relationships for over two decades with the same man and has raised her family successfully in these circumstances. Professionally, she's an intuitive guide. She's also trained as a social worker and has an emphasis in psychology. And she's also finds a time to be a writer, a workshop facilitator. She yeah. is what you call an oracle card reader and the creator of the card deck, Sincerely, Your Intuition. She's amazing. One of the things you'll find out is how deeply she believes in dumping self-judgment and shame and speaking our truth. So today's episode is building from our first time together. So if you haven't listened to episode 161, now is the time. So thank you so much, Christine, for joining us again on Expat Happy Hour. Oh, I am so thrilled to be here. Thank you, Sunday. So um, first of all, for those of you who are listening to this and have not yet heard episode 161, Long Distance Survivor God, it's like a um, prerequisite. It is so good. And I was actually just listening to it again this morning, not as the someone who runs a podcast, but as a listener. Like, yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Christine. It's such a valuable episode. And I'm so grateful you agreed to come back again. Oh, I'm so happy about this. I can't wait. So before we dive into the pragmatics, uh, Christine and I agreed uh, that part two from our first episode would be more on the pragmatic side for navigating long distance relationships. Um, and before we do that, Christine, let's just touch base. Where are you in terms of your own relationship? Are you still doing long distance or are you guys together? We are currently doing long distance. I'm based in Switzerland with our two children. They're 14 and 19. And my husband is in Qatar and he's been there since July. We did see him for two weeks over Christmas and we are now looking at very probably about another year before we get to see each other. Wow. I can't believe you just said another year. Yes. Welcome to the new world. <laughs> right? You know, it's so crazy because it, both of us have done long distance relationships for various periods of time. And one of the things that's always been consolation for long distance families is you can hop on a flight and see each other in six weeks, for example. And this is what's different about the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is that we just don't have that luxury anymore. Absolutely. And the longest I'd ever done it before was seven months, which was a significant period of time and really challenging. But it's, as you know, it's one of these things of acceptance. I mean, of course, we talked about all of that in our previous podcast, but I think maybe touching on it very briefly now is, is this mindset thing of, we don't know. And actually, we never do know. And we never did know. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just kind of, we think we knew, but we didn't. Things can always change. Things are always changing. And now it's just visible. Mm -hmm. So Great. it's really this <laughs> You're thing. already blowing me away, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we just jump right into this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Like we, we're always under this illusion of knowing. Yeah. And I find the really massive thing is, is this acceptance of the current reality mm -hmm. continuously. Yeah. 
I mean, this change and transformation is always constantly happening all the time. And you can see it when you move to a new country. You can see it when you have a baby and you see the children grow. This is actually our lives. That's how it's Mm -hmm. meant to be. Mm -hmm. And resistance causes a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's really great when today we can talk about, right, we have these long distance relationships. Now, what do you do with them? Let's accept Mm -hmm. it. We got it. How in the world do you deal with it? Right. But I mean, we need to pause on that. That resistance causes a lot of pain. That's what, um, when we deny what is, that's the definition of suffering, right? I think Dalai Lama is probably the one who's leading on that, that thought. It's when we are saying, well, if he had taken that last flight, (laughs) if the company would have, you know, approved that, et cetera, we're living in resistance. I also want to acknowledge here, and this is something that so far too few people are talking about, and it must be talked about. It's easy to, uh, yes, pain, the resistance causes pain, but the resistance to the experience of pain also causes, causes pain. So let me explain. If you are feeling sad, feel sad. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling frustrated, be frustrated. If you're feeling happy, be happy. Like Mm -hmm. feel your feelings. Let them feel and move them out of your body. I I call it sitting in it. Yeah. Like trying to sit in it. Yeah. But we're taught, we're taught that we shouldn't. Like it's, you know, there's this culture of this happy culture. Everybody has to be happy um, and productive, right? And if you're not happy and productive, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, well, this is the old way that has gotten us to where we are. And you can continue to do that if you choose, but do know it's a choice. Mm-hmm. But there is another way and you can choose it. And there are people that are choosing it. So I I would highly recommend the other way. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's challenging because you do have to feel your feelings. I mean, right now, everyone is having feelings and everyone is having opinions about everyone else's feelings. (laughs) And there's opinions about the opinions. And it's really like, shut out the noise, Mm -hmm. get back to yourself. I mean, this is why I like intuition so much because you can shut out the noise and you can say, wait a minute, how do I actually feel right now? Mm -hmm. What do I need to do right now? It's, for, for me, the biggest theme that's coming out of all of this is self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. I am responsible for myself. And this is actually, I mean, astrology talks about this a lot. We have been in the age of Capricorn, and now we're moving into the age of Aquarius. This is an astrological thing. I mean, people probably are aware of their sun sign and all of this. But we're talking about, this is a much bigger perspective, but you can see it here in reality. Governments are changing social structures are changing, school structures are changing, work structures are changing. We've had five years of change in five weeks. Mm -hmm. And this is no joke. Right. No joke. And I feel like, you know, this is kind of a different subject, but I feel like expats are perfectly poised because we've been practicing transformation and change and transition all of our lives. And we're also the hardest hit because we're so defined by our mobility. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe that expats are in a really beautiful space to be able to show up and share what they've learned with other Mm -hmm. people. 
because other people who are not used to this, they're like, whoa, what just hit me? I'm separated right. from people and expats are like, welcome to the club. <laughs> like exactly. we've been here. Right. And it's almost like you're bitter. You're like, uh, guys, Zoom has existed for many years. Like <laughs> we could have FaceTime five years ago. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, so, so now it's a great time. It, it, it would be so easy to be so bitter and resentful to, to your people who, who have resisted your change for so long. Mm-hmm. And it would be so easy to say, see, I told you so. It would be so easy to go into that. But if we want to really create a new society, we're going to have to do it from love. Well, we don't have to. We have a choice. Again, I prefer to do it from love. So how in this situation can you spread love? It's like, hey, I have a really great way we could communicate. Leave your bitter sarcasm for your other expat friends so you can vent. (laughs) (laughs) Because get it out. You know, I'm all about moving stuff out or dance to get it out. Dance all of your frustration, get it out, whatever. But yeah, expats, Mm -hmm. expats know how to do this. So you talked last episode, you talked about choosing love, not fear. And now you're talking about choosing love instead of resentment. So it's always better. I mean, who doesn't love is such a beautiful, pure emotion. It's like, if we have the choice, it's so nice, but it's so hard to go toward. We have to let go of all the other stuff. I mean, and again, this love and uh, love is so misunderstood. And if you haven't listened to the first episode, go back and listen to it because I'm, I'm going to repeat myself ad nauseum. Love is misunderstood. Go back to the first episode to hear why. Mm-hmm. Let's leave so it at that. I mean, I'm already, my brain's already scrambled and I love it. Um, so here's the thing. We're talking about long distance. Um, you were in a situation with long distance. You made the choice to continue long distance the, this this one year is a time that we have to wrap our brains around, right? Um, we're going, I, I have, our personal situation is actually the opposite where we didn't expect to be together, but because of the shutdowns, we are together and it, we should be long distance, right? It's this interesting uh, dichotomy that's happening. Um, let's think about the people who are now, they're in their long distance relationship. They're They're dealing with their resistance around whether or not this is a good thing. Um, they are hungry to, to make the most of it. Cause they actually frankly don't have a choice, right? Like it's happening. So based on your experience, you've had so many years to test this. What can you pass on to those who are finding themselves in longer distance relationships than they never anticipated or for the first time? Well, my experience comes from um, multiple long-distance relationships through various periods of my life, so from over a span of 20 years. So this With the same partner, right? Same you and partner. your husband. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's important to qualify where I'm coming from and what worked for me. Mm-hmm. You figure out what works for you. I can just share my experience and hope that you find something in it that helps. I think... What I've discovered is that there's really almost like four pillars of a really solid long distance relationship. And one of the, it's kind of like the legs of a table. One of the legs can go out and you could probably still keep the table up if you prop Mm -hmm. something, you know? So, so it's, these are like the four, try to keep three of these really solid, um, Maybe it's easy if I just tell you what I see those four are, and then we can go into like really pragmatic, detailed 
details Perfect. of how to actually do that might, might be easiest for people. So the first one that I see, okay, first of all, the mindset, the beliefs, that's all at last episode. That That's the foundation. That's the that's floor. The that's like the yeah. floor this, this thing is set on. If you don't have that, you don't, there's no point building a table because you're really going to have some problems. Go back to the beliefs and mindset. One, one pillar is for the person who has, especially if you have children, which has been my experience, um, arrange your daily life in a way that suits you and the people around you and your environment. I do not worry about my long distance partner when I am organizing my daily life. That's interesting. I was expecting you to say the opposite when you've started your sentence. Everyone does it differently. Mm -hmm. The reason I did this the way I do it was because it's in alignment with me. Mm -hmm. That goes back to your beliefs and mindset. This is why that one is so vital. Right. Because you can't set up a daily life that doesn't fit the foundation of what you need. I am holding our family together. And I know that mm-hmm. I have, st- I have had to step into that. It's very uncomfortable for me to say that mm-hmm. publicly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever have before, but I know I am holding our family together. If my daily life does not support me and nourish me, the table is crushed. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to do it so that it works for me and I trust. And this is the, so that's the self-responsibility piece. Mm -hmm. The second piece is trust. I trust that my partner, that my husband is doing the same for himself. Mm -hmm. He needs, this also touches back on something we talked about in the last episode towards the very end where I think I exploded your brain. So (laughs) it's like, it's like this trust your partner that mm-hmm. he can take care of himself or she, right. whatever it is. So the daily, so four pillars, your daily life, arrange your daily life in a way that suits you. The second one is then standardize your communication with your partner. That will have a lot of details to go into as well. Third pillar is ask for support and mm. receive it. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one is physical touch. You're going to have to think outside the box on this. Mm-hmm. So those are the four pillars. Okay. So let me just back up here. Um, one, our mindset um, and getting clear on what our needs are is the foundation, the floor. The first leg is around the daily life and s- making sure that the daily life suits you, the people around you, the little people that you're probably taking care of, and the environment. Trusting and relying on self-accountability for your partner to do the same. Mm. Okay. Um, those are the four pillars. It starts with daily life. What else? I'm going to be a little systematic here. What else do we need to think about when we're thinking about daily life? For me, it changes. Again, for me, it goes back to this acceptance of the reality that we're in right now. So whether we're talking about during the, the COVID pandemic or whether we're talking about after this is um, we've moved on to other other issues. It really is acceptance of what what life is right now. So when my kids were really small, we had a separation where the youngest was four years old and the oldest was nine years old. So when we're talking about really small kids, you're talking about a completely different type of situation. Mm-hmm. Right now, my oldest is 19. So I'm in a 
significantly different situation. So the nine for a nine-year-old, first thing I did was realized bedtimes are really problematic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but decided you don't need to censor this. So <laughs> I censored myself so you don't have to. So I took all of the mattresses and put them in one room. Mm-hmm. And that was the best thing I ever did. The kids still remember that. The mm-hmm. time we all slept in one room. They were all on the floor. We all just slept in one room. And and now it's the exact opposite. I made sure each of us have our own room. And mm-hmm. I live in a small apartment. We have a three-room apartment. That's room, not bedroom. Room. Right. And right. I live, there's three of us that live here. So we made sure each of us have our own space so we can go and be alone. And this is, of course, very important for daily life. So it's this, how can you arrange your together time and alone time? So depending on the age of your kids and who you're living with and your space possibilities changes that. Yep. So find out what works for you. And I'm going to chime in here because so when I first had to solo parent unexpectedly uh, in 2016, my son just turned four. And I think so we're talking about the same sort of small people um, situation. Um, What I've noticed around with my clients who have small people in their lives, that their demands are so high, it's it's as if they don't even they're not even allowing themselves to think about their own needs. Right. It's because they're it's like a tidal wave of demands from, from little people. Um, and in terms of daily life, one of the things that I worked really hard on in the beginning was teaching them, you know, you have your needs and I'm going to do this to meet that need. Right. And now we need to be on the same team and help mama get her need. Like, so it'd be like, you guys need to go outside and move. So I'm going to go onto the soccer field with you right? But keep in mind at eight o'clock, you're going to have to have, you know, quiet time in your room because then mama needs quiet. Like being really transparent with your kids, even when they're four, they get it. Absolutely agree. I mean, if we're teaching our kids how to do by example, if we give them everything, they're going to think that's what we do. I'm not my, I'm not the handmaiden to my children. Even when my daughters were how old, I think it was like one and a half when I started this. So they were really super young. You know, I would tell them I would take daily coffee breaks and I've had clients also do this as well and have said it's, it's miraculous. I would have a daily coffee break and I would use language that my child could understand when the coffee cup is in my hand, you're not allowed to walk into this room and talk to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. As long as the cup is in my hand, I'm taking a coffee break. And I started by doing it for one minute Mm -hmm. and eventually worked up to, I think it was an hour. Mm -hmm. Again, age appropriate, all of these things as well. But you can start with really small things. You can also do, you know, people do this with a timer. Again, trust that your child can take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. do not have to give everything to your child. Start small and build it out. Also, I am responsible, again, self-responsibility, I am responsible for getting my needs met. No one else. I, I, I need to do that. I am responsible. So how do I do that? Totally. And, 
and I think our kids are, we, we underestimate how, yes. how much capacity our kids have. Yes. One of the things that I do is um, if I've had a busy day or I haven't had enough um, space in between my work and my family life, I'll, <laughs> I found language that works for us. I'll tell them that grumpy van is about, you know, 10 kilometers outside of town. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm like, grumpy van is, is circling in. It's getting close to town. You guys like, can you please, before I get grumpy, can you please, um, help me out here? You know, like keep it down or participate or whatever it is. And I'm like, Ooh, you guys, grumpy van. It's like three miles out of town. <laughs> and then what, you know, I'll hear, I will be upstairs and there should be brushing their teeth and they're not. And then I'll be upset about something. And then my son will go, mom, I think grumpy van is in town. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a beautiful way of also introducing humor to the situation mm -hmm. while being really clear. Mm -hmm. I just I take myself so seriously all the time. Like, come on, I needed to find another way. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to lighten up a lot. I mean, I found with older children, so I have 14 and 19, well, almost 15 and 20 year old. So I'm on the other spectrum now of, I had to, with the current situation, make a decision about bedtimes, right? Mm -hmm. And I decided, and this will not work for everyone, I'm fully aware, to let them self-regulate. Mm -hmm. I totally have decided to let them self-regulate their entire day. The only thing that is... Uh, I wouldn't say expected is there's a lot of things, but the family thing that is expected, we all eat dinner together. Mm -hmm. This is the time we have dinner. You're all there. Self-regulate. You go to bed when you need to go to bed. You're old enough to know to brush your teeth. You're old enough to get your own food in between. You all are old enough to figure out your own lives. If you need help, I'm here. Mm -hmm. But right. actually, this is a, and it's a beautiful opportunity for them to recognize how much sleep they need, how much time they have to set aside for studying, how are they going to make sure they get on their, their online classes at the right time, and how can they make sure they get food. And, and it's amazing to watch how they do it. That's My great. youngest daughter is staying awake usually until about four in the morning. That's early for her. It's usually like about five. She'll kind of go to bed and then she'll sleep all day and then she'll get up and she'll do her thing. And she loves it. She's thriving. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, well, why not actually? She doesn't have to be physically somewhere at any time. But I had to get over this idea of what should be done. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So daily life, there's so much we could talk about. I want to make sure we have time for the other three pillars and I know they overlap, right? All mm -hmm. of these are, are intertwined. Tell me more about them. I want to hear more about your second one, which is about standardizing your communication. I, I'm all for going with the flow <laughs> very much so, mm -hmm. but this is one where I found that it was really helpful to be really clear what time of day we're going to call Mm -hmm. and how. Mm -hmm. So for us, that means very practically that we call, we have dinner together. Mm -hmm. So the whole family has yeah. dinner. So he's on, what are we, I think the thing we're using now is FaceTime. It changes depending on what year and century we are in. But <laughs> right now it's FaceTime and I got a tripod and that was another thing that was really helpful to get. Uh, to put my phone on so he can just be at the end of the table. I put him on a little stepladder 
and he's at the end of the table with us. Mm -hmm. So it's something like predictability. You know, you're going to have that one touch point that day or doing something regular together. And sometimes we talk for five minutes and sometimes we end up talking for two, three hours. So it, we don't regulate the length, just mm. the, Hey, how's it going? You know what? I don't really feel like talking today. Mm -hmm. Do you need to talk? If you do, I have the capacity for that, but I don't have the capacity. I don't, I can't. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think is important is, is in these calls is again, going back to that, that love, like love yourself and don't try to hide your emotions, mm -hmm. like love your fear, love your hate, love your bitterness, love your joy, like love whatever's coming out Yep, and right. show it and express it. Don't try to hide your feelings, feel your feelings and let the other person feel their feelings without you having to feel like we just had it recently. I was having a fabulous day and he mm -hmm. was having a horrible day. And so it's like, I was, I had to let myself have my fabulous day and mm -hmm. share that with him, not try mm -hmm. to hold it back mm -hmm. and let him have his horrible day and share that and not hold it back and let us both be in whatever we were in without trying to take on someone else's burden or without trying to change someone else or the situation, just let it be. So that I think is really pivotal for all conversations, even outside of this. And I just want people to pause right now, scroll back 30 seconds, 60 seconds, because I think that's something most people do and they don't realize that they're doing it. They're, they're, they are monitoring their feelings and hiding them or, or masking them for the comfort of other people. Yes. And it, that is a train wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> right. To say it lightly. The other uh, thing that I'd really like to say here, that's super key and important is when the other person is feeling bad, really, if you want the train wreck to happen immediately, try to change their mood. Mm, like mm. if someone's feeling bad, if someone's feeling sad, do not try to go into um, rationalizing. Do not try to go into pep talk. Do not, if you try to change and this, I, I, I'm sorry, I could go on really a long time about this. I used to have, have depression um, quite severely. And whenever I would tell someone I was doing bad, they would try to tell me all the good things in my life. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there were a lot of expletives that came out of my mouth. Right. right. I don't care. I need, again, feel Your what you feel. Right. And let other people do the same. Have totally. that. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine like, this is my challenge for everybody who's listening. Just tr what would, what would your week look like if you just allowed yourself that space to feel your feelings? Like what, what would that week look differently? I just think that's massive. So take that on. If you're interested in that, like what if your entire family gave each other permission to feel their feelings and give space for other people? I think it would be transformative. It will be transformative. Um, let's put a parenthesis around this before people who have never done this before. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> Like both the good and the bad feelings, it's mm -hmm. uncomfortable if you really let them feel them. So mm -hmm. give yourself some, some 
gentleness around this. Be gentle with yourself. And the other thing I've learned about feeling your feelings is feel them and also let them, allow them to move and to release and to go. Movement is the best way to do this. That's why I run every day. I have to run every day because it's like, if I didn't, they would get stuck in my body somewhere. Yeah. Um, this is why I'm watching Facebook and, um, watching my clients, watching myself and and just looking at what's going on. And I see this, like this wine sales must have skyrocketed. (laughs) Like (laughs) people are, are masking their feelings or they're running from their feelings, you know, by going to coping strategies like Netflix or alcohol. And I'm not judging that at all because people have got to do what they've got to do. And I'm not, I'm not going to weigh in on that at all. Um, but it's, it's interesting to watch, right? Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've watched um, people in my life who've gone completely sober in their transformation. They've said um, how they noticed how it was actively trying to run away from how they felt and they had to sit in their feelings. So this is kind of a side note, but I feel, I feel like it's relevant because I'm watching that go on on such a global scale right now. And I think it's a really important point to say, notice what you're doing for coping mechanisms, Mm -hmm. whether Mm -hmm. it's drinking, whether it's Netflixing, whether it's napping, whether it's texting, whether it's working, what are you doing to escape your feelings rather than to feel your feelings in order to release your feelings? Yep, totally. So movement, absolutely. Um, So what I'm hearing from you is if you're going to take the move and really sit in your feelings, then a way to deal with the discomfort in a healthy way is movement. We've talked about dances. I, I mean, this is, I always, rec- you know, recommend a five o'clock dance party for people who <laughs> need yeah. to, to move, or if you can physically run or walk or whatever you're doing in your area. Um, I wanted to share something really pragmatic about the communication uh, strategy. You talked about dinner time. One thing that we did in our family was my, my husband was responsible for bedtime and you might be asking, how do they do that from a distance? Um, I would, he would read a story on his phone and my son would have that same story on the iPad and they'd page through together. So that's a little tip for people who want to have their partner have an anchor in their kids' lives in one part of the day. You can get creative and read stories, do bedtime. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is you found us a creative way to do it. You guys do dinner, we did bedtime. So I'm challenging everybody who's listening. Like, what is that one creative thing that you'll do? Maybe you'll go on a walk together and bring the phone along and you'll be walking all at the same time and talking and sharing the view or whatever that is. Um, I think it's worth it. I love that. I love that thing. I think it's really important that, the partner that's away from the children has time with the children alone without the other partner being around. Mm -hmm. So I do that by now with the children being older, I do that by I'll introduce a topic of conversation because sometimes he just doesn't know what to talk to them about. You know, they're, they're teenagers. They're not as communicative at this point as like, you know, four year olds maybe. So I will introduce a topic of conversations like, oh, did you tell him about the email that the teacher sent about what's coming up for school? And she'll be like, oh, no, I didn't. And I'll excuse myself to go get a glass mm-hmm. of water mm-hmm. and let them talk. Right. 
And for me, it was a break. Like it was like, okay, I'm going to go empty the dishwasher while he's doing that. Like Mm -hmm. it was just also a pragmatic break for me. I call it, this is, (laughs) this is my thing right now. I call it hashtag mom spa. Like, um, especially when we have no space, I'll like do the laundry, um, and listen to music or I'll go do the dishes and have a glass of wine or whatever. That's my hashtag mom spa, Mm -hmm. create mom spa. If you're, if you're the one who's taking care of the kids and the, the parent, the other parent is gone or dad spa, whatever, whatever's happening in your family. Um, let's, let's look at this idea of asking and and receiving support before we go on to the one that's the most confusing, which is touch, especially when it comes to physical distance. So what about asking, receiving support as your third pillar? So this one really is about just really asking for that pragmatic support. So for you, it would have been, hey, can you read a story to the kids Mm -hmm. at bedtime, right? For me, it's like, uh, we've got a birthday coming up. And we thought you were going to be here for the birthday, but oh, look, flights are canceled. So can you now research and order a birthday gift and have it sent here for her? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be something like, can we schedule two hours to fill out the tax forms together? Mm. It could be something like, hey, could you call your mom? Mm -hmm. She's driving me nuts and I don't want to talk to her anymore. I just want Mm -hmm. you to like can you deal with that? Let her know that we're okay or whatever. What This actually didn't happen to me, but I know this happens to other people. It's like, what, what do you need from your partner that you can ask for? Like, ask. Yeah, it's actually, I think it's interesting because most people wouldn't even think about it because they're not there. So it's like, well, he's not here. I can't have him help me with the taxes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that sort of frustration, but actually why not? Like let's hop on the phone for two hours and do this. Well, it's so much easier sometimes to do it yourself, but if you're talking about a long-term separation and mm-hmm. let's be honest, we never know how long it's going to be. Why, why not say, what can I, what can I delegate? Like be the, if you're the boss of your life, like mm-hmm. what am I doing that actually is really draining that I could ask him to do? Mm-hmm. And that that's actually sensible. So there's some bank things where I'm like, listen, I know you have the access to our online account. These things need to be done. Could you just do it? I I know I could, but I would really appreciate if you could do it. And another huge part of it is to receive that, that support. Um, So every once in a while, he'll, it was so funny. So before all of his COVID stuff started, he sent us a surprise package in the mail. He didn't Mm. tell us it was coming. Just all of a sudden, there was a package there for my daughters. And ironically enough, it was it was just a joke, a joke gift of toilet paper. This was before COVID. <laughs> One had toilet paper with like unicorns on it, and the other had paper money. It was like, right? And it, of course, it wasn't more than one month later where we were like, thank you for the toilet paper. We can use mm-hmm. that now, <laughs> you know? But it's like these little, it's these little touches. Mm-hmm. And I think it it also, um, when I, you know, one might be asking why are, why is the one partner asking for help and the other one isn't? I'm thinking about it from the one who's solo parenting. There's a, a disproportionate amount of parenting being done by the one who's physically with them. So it's a way to create a little bit of balance um, and lift the weight a little bit for the one who has the solo parenting role. And it's also for the other person, a way to contribute um, and be participative in the family still, despite the distance. Mm-hmm. 
So now we got to get to this last one. (laughs) This one's going to be interesting. (laughs) So the fourth pillar is touch. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about a romantic relationship, um, families, couples who are long distance, This could be an interesting topic. (laughs) You have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth right now. And you're just kind of like, oh my God, where are we going to go with this? I love it. (laughs) I am, I'm putting my hands open and surrender for whatever comes, Christine. You're like, we can always edit out if we need to. (laughs) This one is so important and it's so little talked about. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like one of those, let's whisper it in secret. But the truth is, you know, we know this from from psychological and scientific studies, humans need physical touch. The problem comes when we rely on, and most people do this, that most people rely on one single person to fill our very human need for touch. Mm -hmm. And I believe another really huge challenge of this is that touch has become sexualized, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Actually, touch have to, is yeah, not right. sexual. Right. It can right. be. So I would encourage people to, again, that's the belief and mindset thing that's really specific for this. What are your beliefs and mindset around touch? Because mm-hmm. you're going to be confronted with that when you have a long distance relationship. Yep. So really go back and look at your mindsets and beliefs around this. And you have to be in integrity with yourself mm-hmm. and do understand that touch can come in so many different healthy forms. Mm-hmm. The other thing is when we're talking about human needs, I mean, we see this from psychology. All humans have some really basic human needs. If you want to go back to Maslow's pyramid, that's a classic of what the needs are. Um, this is one of them. And as we know with needs from psychology, a need will get met one way or another. Okay. It's going to get met. Either it's going to be positive or it's going to be negative. You're either going to sabotage yourself or you're going to nourish yourself. A need will get met one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Always. Tony Robbins actually also has some good material on this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. He talks about needs as well. I, I can't remember the exact terminology. I didn't think we were going to go here, but, um, or I would have it ready, but that would be something else to look into because he has a l- slightly different angle on it, but it really is, Hey, make some choices about how you're getting your needs met. Mm-hmm. So when right. we're talking about physical touch, let's talk really pragmatically, mm-hmm. right? Um, first of all, we're talking touch. We're not talking sexuality, right? We're separating these two for this part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Put lotion on your body, like touch your own body Mm -hmm. and feel, actually feel your fingers on your skin. You can do it right now. Take your fingers, put it on your arm and just feel, can you feel the hair on your Mm -hmm. skin? Mm-hmm. Just feel that some people actually do this for the first time and feel like an electric jolt because they're so unaccustomed to paying attention 
to their own touch. It's even when you touch your fingertips to your fingertips, if you really focus on that contact, Mm -hmm. it changes your perception of reality. Right. And I can imagine where my, my mind is going is if you're touch deprived, right? Um, Mm. you can easily go from touch as a human need to sexual, a sexual needs, right? Like it can Mm -hmm. quickly jump to another category. Exactly. Um, right. And sexuality and your sexual needs are a completely different category. These are not even the same category. Right. It's, it's, it's a completely different, it's a complete, so I know that in and of itself, just separating those two for many people is just going to be a challenge. I'm laughing because I did a social distance walk with one of my best friends. We haven't seen each other in a long time and we promised that we wouldn't hug, you know, like for the integrity of social distancing. And when we saw each other, I was like, I just need to hug myself right now because I wanted to hug her so bad. So we were walking down the street and I, it must've looked so funny, but I was like giving myself like this big pretend hug because I couldn't hug her and I wanted to so bad. Sunday, that's how I fall asleep every night. <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't realize I was doing this, but I realized it was, it was a, a few weeks ago. I realized all of a sudden that when I'm falling asleep, I've actually got my arms wrapped around myself. It's like, oh, this is actually quite nice. But it makes Sweet. a difference if you're, you're um, putting your attention and your focus on it. Mm-hmm. So all through the day, we're touching our, you know, you, you rub your hands to wash them, you know, or you, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, you, you have physical contact with yourself throughout the day, but it's paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. And this Great. physical contact can, of course, become sexual. Mm-hmm. And I would highly advise that it does mm-hmm. with yourself. Right. This is a really important aspect of our beings. And it's important for it to be met because, it, again, a need will get met one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so so right, now, right now we have the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. So let's just sit, uh, stick with the, the sensual, the physical touch, not the mm-hmm. sexual one. So mm-hmm. after the COVID situation is over or before it happened, um, I actually had a friend where we would arrange just to meet, to hug. That was it. <laughs> and we would just, for two hours, we would just hug. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we would talk and sometimes we wouldn't, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a man. So it was highly unconventional. Yeah. And but it was, it was, you know, my partner was okay with it and he was okay with it. I think he had a girlfriend at the time and she was okay. Like everyone was cool with it. Mm-hmm. Just spooning. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it, it, there's nothing sexual about it. Mm-hmm. So to get to that level of acceptance and neutrality is a really beautiful place. That's going to, you're going to have so many people up in arms right now, Christine. There's so many people who are listening right now who are going, nope, that's going to lead to danger. Like you can't be doing that. Then Um, you should not be doing it. Then you should not be doing it. Yeah. Do not do anything out of integrity. Yeah. I would never do anything that jeopardizes my marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's why I want to say it was okay with everyone. It was not a secret. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would not be talking about it on the podcast if it right. was. Right. It was. It was. 
it was in full integrity. That's why I'm saying do what works for you, but do know that for some of you, I'm sure you've never even thought this was a possibility mm-hmm. can now say, I wonder if, or what is possible that you didn't think was possible. For example, now with COVID, so you're not allowed to get that close to people's faces, but we could actually touch feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we could actually meet in the lawn and put our feet, our bare feet against each other. I actually did this yesterday. I think and it was so beautiful. But, well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think what's so beautiful about this is that we have this opportunity to do things so differently. Like there's, we as humans are navigating, how do we get our needs met for connection, for support, for touch, for all of these things, right? For communication and our daily life. All of the pillars you've mentioned is kind of the bigger picture of what we're trying to do globally. It, how do we meet our net needs in new ways? And I love that. I mean, I, I can't say that I love it because people are suffering and there's all these other things that are really hard about it. And a beautiful part that is coming out of this as a result, I think, is that we're we're discovering completely new ways. And I think that it's so important to hold both the beauty and the brutality in both hands at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Because that is life. And once you start to, to be able to do that, hold seemingly contradicting emotions and feelings, it's, it's revolutionary. Yeah, totally. Beauty and brutality at the same time. So there's a part of me that is really prudish and doesn't want to talk about this. <laughs> there's another part of me that's like, that's really important to talk about. Um, but what about the sexual aspect? So you're a partner, you, you're, you have that in your relationship and now suddenly you're apart from each other. What, what advice do you give to people who are in a long distance relationship and are not able to be sexually intimate with each other anymore? There are so many ways of doing this. And again, each person really has to be in integrity with themselves and their partner and make Mm -hmm. decisions together. Mm -hmm. Like this is really something you need to talk about. So I've heard, I've heard the whole range of, of options because people tell me things. (laughs) (laughs) People tell me all the things. And I'm like, yes, tell me more. Um, (laughs) So really find out what works for you. And Mm -hmm. there's a whole range of of things from, I've heard of people sexting. So Mm -hmm. you send text messages that are sexy. I've heard people who do online, and I'm not going to tell you what my personal practices are in this area, because this is an area that's private that my husband and I have discussed together and said, this is not public information. Of course. So I am now going into generalities on purpose. Yeah. Some of this is my experience and some of this is from all of the people, hundreds of people I've talked to over the past 20 years. So, you know, it's these things like I've heard of people doing online sex where, you know, it's like self-masturbation together, like each of you are masturbating um, with video. I've heard of people doing recording like strip teases and sending it to their partners. Parentheses around that, any sexual activity online is online. Oh my God. My God, my head is just dying right now. (laughs) (laughs) Another parentheses slash exclamation point. Any recordings should probably not be sent to a cloud if (laughs) 
if the family has access to the cloud. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. My cheeks are red right now because I'm just dying for everybody who's been in that situation or people who are so brave to do that. But it's so, so thank you to all of the people who have shared their stories with me so that the rest of us, every time a girlfriend tells me something they've done that's turned out to be a disaster, I always put my hand to my heart and I say, I'm so glad you had such a f***ed up experience so I don't have to. Thank you. You know, it's like, I genuinely, genuinely am grateful. Um, So... You know, but but no matter what you do, find ways to give appreciation to your partner. Like you can say, you can be on, you can be talking on Zoom or whatever it is your thing is, and just say, "You're looking really good today." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, appreciate the physical aspects of your partner. Make let remind them that you like. Oh, I like the way you have your hair today. Like what? Like I still see you in this way. Yeah, that's nice. I still see you. Yeah. So because of time, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to rope us in, and probably because I'm such a prude, this makes me uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And can I? Can I just? I don't know. Yes, it makes people uncomfortable to do this. So do it in a way that works for you, right? And your partner. And the one thing I'm gonna pull out there is um, have this conversation and make the decision together. Sounds like really wise advice. around that. So we have talked about the four pillars of a long distance relationship that people can think about no matter what's going on in the world, but especially now for the COVID-19, people who are unprepared for this at all or unprepared for the extent of it. Um, I really, really want to emphasize um, to everyone who's listening how important these four pillars are that Christine has identified because relationship is hard enough right? And then when you add the distance, um, it can be even more challenging. We need to to be close and have our own autonomy at the same time. So how can you create, when you have all of that autonomy, how can you create closeness? So Christine, thank you so much for being here again on Expat Happy Hour. If you want to follow Christine, she's on Instagram at Christine Gerber Root. I'll put that in the show notes. She's doing these great Instagram stories right now in a series on learning the language of your intuition, which will help you guide yourself during this challenging situation. Whether you're living long distance or not, this is a (laughs) a compass that will be priceless for you. So thank you again, Christine, for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. So there you have it. Christine and I dove in to four pillars of a successful long distance relationship, looking at daily life, setting up the schedule for you, your people, and your environment, asking, receiving support, having standardized communication, and recognizing the importance of touch. There's so many things that I'm taking away from today's episode, but I think the things that will stick with me the most is going back to this idea of how resistance causes us a lot of pain. So really embracing what is. If flights are blocked, they're blocked. 
The other thing I think is really important when we go on the big picture level is our ability to sit in the discomfort. When sort of quote unquote regular life is going on, we can escape by into our hobbies, into, I don't know, nights out with friends, into our work environment, whatever it is. But when we're locked down at home, there's really no escape. So learning how to sit there, Christine offers not the old way, but a new way, a new way that's founded in self-responsibility and trusting yourself and others to make choices that are in alignment with their integrity. So this is important. Love on lockdown. This is part one. Get ready for part two coming up next week where we look at how to nurture relationships when you're feeling like you have no space. And when I think about it, maintaining connection with people who are right next to you and you might be struggling or maintaining contact with people who are far away can get tough. And that's exactly what my work has been all about. And that's exactly what I teach in Expat Coach Coalition. So if you are someone who serves or would like to serve expats, this is my last call to consider Expat Coach Coalition because we're getting started early on in mid-May, and I'd love you to be a part of it. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words from Esther Peril, author of Mating in Captivity. Love rests on two pillars, surrender and autonomy. Our need for the togetherness exists alongside our need for separateness. One does not exist without the other. Um. <laughs>